Well, recently I was uh, driving through western Nebraska and, uh, you know, I was driving through a lot of that pasture land and I saw a lot of windmills. I just love those windmills. And uh, do you know what the windmills are for? Maybe some of you aren't agricultural kind of people. You may not know uh, that the windmills are for pumping water from a well into a tank. Uh, and uh, so the, the wind windmill powers the pump to, to bring that water up. And the tank has a flotation device, kind of like the, the float in your toilet, right? <laughs> And when the tank gets full, the, the toilet, uh, the, the float rises, and then it shuts off the pump. And when the water level goes down, it allows the windmill to start spinning again, uh, powered by the wind, and, which pumps the water up uh, and then out into the tank. So using the power of the wind, the cattle always have water. Their tank is always full. And as we, uh, we're going to learn today, the word uh, wind in the Bible is the same word for spirit. Did you know that? Ephesians 5.18 tells us to be filled with the Spirit, meaning God's Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Dwight Moody was an evangelist in the 1800s, and uh, he often prayed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and one day, uh, someone said, Mr. Moody, uh, you're always asking to be filled with the, with the Holy Spirit. Well, you belong to Jesus. You preach the word. You live his way. Aren't you already filled with the Holy Spirit? And Mo Mr. Moody replied, yes, I am filled with the Holy Spirit, but I leak. <laughs> I thought, well, that's probably a good answer, Mr. Moody. Uh, what I know is that as one of Jesus' people, the Holy Spirit is in me, but I'm not always living in the fullness of the Spirit. I'm not always living in the flow of the Holy Spirit. So I keep praying for that, for the fullness, for, the, for the being in the flow of the Holy Spirit. And it's not that I need to have more of the Holy Spirit, like I'm only, you know, 50% full. It's that I need the Holy Spirit to have more of me. Uh, every Sunday in our series, uh, Big Ideas of the Bible, uh, we get to see uh, about a five-minute video. Um, and uh, here is the one on the Holy Spirit. Let's watch. Okay. Well, today we're going to look at, uh, start looking at some of the basics of the Holy Spirit in the Bible. And first is the question, is the Holy Spirit a who or a what? Is the Holy Spirit a person or an impersonal force? Now, I, I would believe that if you went through the Bible and you found every reference in the Bible to the Holy Spirit, you would eventually conclude that the Holy Spirit is a person not a thing. You discover that the Holy Spirit grieves within us when we sin. You discover that the Holy Spirit speaks to our minds and our hearts. You, you discover that the Holy Spirit prays within us when we are praying. So, like the Father and like Jesus, the Holy Spirit is a person. And the three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, are so interconnected with one purpose and one will that they are one God. We call that doctrine the Trinity. And yet they are so distinct that they are three persons, three in one 
the Trinity. Now, the Old Testament, uh, in the Old Testament, God's Spirit uh, would occasionally come on just a few people, the prophets, and only then, only for a short time. Uh, but the prophet Joel said that the day would one day come when, when God's Spirit would be poured out on all of his servants, young and old, women and men, and the Holy Spirit would continually inhabit them. And that's what happened 10 days after Jesus, Jesus ascended into heaven. 120 of his followers were gathered for a prayer meeting, and they'd been meeting to do this for a while, just get, coming and waiting and praying and, until the gift came. And suddenly, one day, the Holy Spirit came, was poured out upon them and filled them. And from that day on, every person who put their faith in Jesus, put their lives in his hands, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. So, I ask you, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? And maybe some of you would say, I don't know. And I would say, that's okay. I want, that's part of my purpose today is to kind of help you answer that question. The Bible teaches that if you put your faith in Jesus, you put your life in his hands, then God keeps his promise and he fills you with the Holy Spirit. As one of Jesus' people, uh, like I was telling the children, the Holy Spirit makes his home in you. The Holy Spirit resides in you. Now, for those of you who have not yet put your faith in Jesus, put your life in his hands, the Holy Spirit is not absent. The Holy Spirit is with you. The Holy Spirit is calling you, influencing you. And, and then when you receive Jesus, that's when the Holy Spirit takes up residence in you, in, in a deeper relationship with you. But even then, even then, uh, does that mean that you feel the Holy Spirit all the time? Because I think a lot of people say, well, I don't know if I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't feel any different. And I would say, you know, you don't always feel it. It's not like some electrical current that's, you know, charging through your body. Here, here's what I would compare it to. Um, about 15% about of the population has tinnitus. You know what that is? Uh, I'm one of the lucky 15%. Uh, it's, and my ears are always ringing. 100% of the time of my, my life, my ears are ringing. Sometimes I have more than one tone. I've got harmony, you know, going on inside my head. Now, I don't often notice it. I mean, I can go through most of the day and not even think about it. But when I pay attention to it, I hear it. In the same way, the Holy Spirit is always in me. Sometimes I'm paying attention. Sometimes I'm not. So what does the Holy Spirit do in you? Well, if you were to take that survey of the Bible and, and all the references to the Holy Spirit, you'd find a long list of things that the Holy Spirit does. I just want to mention a few of them. The first, the Holy Spirit uh, assures you that you are God's child, that God loves you. And you find that deep down, you just know it, that's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings to your mind what Jesus said. And there are so many times when we need to remember, we need those promises. The Holy Spirit gives you a special gifting so you can serve others. And the Holy Spirit guides your path. And sometimes we're not quite sure, is this the Holy Spirit or not? And I understand that. 
We're, we're kind of learning to, to walk in step with the Spirit, as the Bible says. Uh, yesterday morning, I was, I was teaching a faith walk class. And at one point, Polly Pierce, our director of student ministries, comes up to me and says, that video that we always show during the class, it's gone. I can't find it. We can't show it. I'm going, ah, you know. So a few minutes later, the idea pops in my head to ask one of our table leaders, Jason Buss, if he would share his spiritual story. And so he did, and wow, it was, it was more impactful than the video ever could have been. And I choose to believe that the Holy Spirit was a part of that. The Holy Spirit was guiding our path, leading the way. Now, I also want to say today that you are extra blessed because uh, you're going to get two sermons in one today, and now we're going to go on to the second. Uh, I'm going to need you to open your Bible to Ezekiel chapter 37. Uh, if you have the Pew Bible, it starts on page 865 and then goes on to the next page. Um, now, the prophet Ezekiel was born into a family of priests. No doubt he was studying to become a priest himself. But before he turned 30, which was the normal age when you actually then become a priest, he and some other Jews were captured by the Babylonians and taken off to Babylon. Uh, and so, and then while he was in Babylon, uh, Ezekiel began having visions from the Holy Spirit. And after a few years there, then the Babylonians, they actually conquered his hometown of Jerusalem and destroyed the temple. And then many, many more uh, people were taken to Babylon. And it seemed to these Jews that life as they know it, as they knew it, was over. That God had abandoned them. They feared that their life as God's chosen people had just suddenly come to an end and would never come back. You know, I think a lot of churches, a lot of people in churches feel that way. 80% of churches in the United States are in decline. Did you know that? 80%. Churches in America are in decline. 16% are growing, but only because they're out competing the 80%, and they're getting those people. And, and then, so only one out of 25 churches, 4%, are actually growing because they are helping people become, who, who haven't been disciples, become new disciples. So out of, a, out of a city with maybe 500 churches, only 20 of them are actually helping people find faith in Jesus and live that life in a significant way. Meanwhile, the number of people in the United States who claim no religious affiliation is climbing dramatically. Skeptics are already writing the church's obituary. The end is near, right? And that's why we need to, we need to hear Ezekiel's vision. So, you got verse 1 there in front of you? The hand of the Lord was on me. Now, that's Ezekiel's way. Whenever, he has his, whenever a vision hits him, that's how he starts to describe it. The hand of the Lord was on me. And he brought me out of, by the Spirit and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. Say that last phrase with me, will you? It was full of bones. 
picture in your mind the broad valley where years ago a battle had been fought. Thousands were left unburied. Their flesh had long ago been picked clean by scavengers, devoured by vermin and decay. Their names, their stories, long forgotten. Verse 2, he led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. Ezekiel's people had been slaughtered in war. He knew those dry bones had once been his people. Verse 3, he asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? Obviously the answer is no. Death has claimed them forever. But Ezekiel cannot say no. He's talking with the Lord Almighty who breathed life into the nostrils of the first humans. He cannot say no, but neither can he say yes. So he says, I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Verse 4, then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. It would be like God sending me to the cemetery and saying, Steve, Preach to the dead. Now I want to say, Lord, what good would it do to preach to the dead? But God tells Ezekiel to speak to the bones. And God gives him the script in verses 5 and 6. Here's what he's to say. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will breathe in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Imagine Ezekiel looking out at the field of bones scattered by scavengers, blown by the wind, bleached by the sun. Then he speaks. He speaks the word of the Lord to the bones. Verses 7 and 8. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound. And the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. At this point in Ezekiel's vision, we do not have life. All we have is the appearance of life. And many churches are content with activity. They are content with the appearance of life. And many Christians are content with the appearance of life, but spiritually, they are on life support. That's what Jesus says to the church of Sardis in Revelation 3. He says, I know your deeds. I know what you've been doing. I know, I've seen your activity. You, he says, you have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. What a 
What a judgment. You, you have a reputation for being alive, but I see, I know you are dead. And then he tells them to wake up whatever bit of life is left in them before it's gone for good. Now, how can you tell a dead church? Well, it's not by the size of the building. It's not by the number of people who show up. A dead church is more concerned about its reputation than with how God is changing hearts and lives. A dead church is more concerned about its comforts than the renewal of the community. A dead church is more eager to take credit for serving than actually getting in the trenches and love and serving their neighbors. And then in verse 9, the Lord gives Ezekiel another script or the rest of it. it. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. And that's that Hebrew word we, we learned in the video, ruach, wind, breath, spirit. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breath, Come from the four winds and slain into these and, and breathe into these slain that they may live. What can Ezekiel do? But speak the word of the Lord. Verse 10. So I prophesied as I was commanded, as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood on their feet. A vast army. Now, why did God give Ezekiel this vision? Because the people of Judah thought that their day of, as God's people was over. All their hopes of returning to Jerusalem had perished. They felt like they were dry bones. No life left at all. And God tells Ezekiel to speak to these hopeless exiles. Tell them that God will keep his promise. Tell them one day God will bring them home. Tell them one day God will fill them with his ruach, his spirit, and give them life. And I believe God wants me to speak to you today, people of Faith Westwood. Because there was a day when this church was the center of a new growing neighborhood, that day is no more. There was a day when hundreds of people were moving in and, and many of them were looking for a new church and you were just down the street. That day is no more. There was a day when the quote from the movie was true of this church, if you build it, they will come. That day is no more. Recently, I was part of a, of a district listening team for another United Methodist Church. And uh, they were lamenting that, that so many people these days, uh, as one elderly lady said, aren't church-minded. I was really caught by that phrase. That church-minded. And, and she was saying even, even the younger members of her own family. She says they're not church-minded. And she's afraid that once her generation dies, that all that will be left of this church that she has loved will be dry bones. 
today in 2019, and maybe more true today on a snowy Sunday than most, that we are seated in a worship center with more empty seats than occupied seats. And God is telling me to speak to the dry bones. Tell them that, these, that empty seats are not a problem. Empty seats are an opportunity. So far, 84 of you, uh, 84 of us have said, I want to learn to do one thing every day to be a blessed friend, and, and I want to be a blessed uh, friend to someone around me who may be living far from God, who may not, not yet know Jesus personally, who may be not connected to a church, and I'm going to pray for them and listen to them and, and eat with them and, and, and serve them and share my story with them. And already we are starting to see the God, the good that God is doing through our blessed friendships. Here's another thing. Even in the first month and a half of this year, we're seeing a few more people getting into faith groups. You know, it's kind of like the new year, new opportunity. And for some, it is the first time they've ever been a part of a group where people sit down and, and read a little portion of the Bible and talk about it. Never done it before. And for some of them, it's the first time they've ever been in a group where, where uh, people can, can pray for each other. Wow, what a, what a, a, a mind-blowing experience it is. And for others, it's the first time they've been with a group of people where they can actually open up and share what's going on in their lives to people who care about them. And God says, speak to these dry bones. Tell them the Holy Spirit is at work. I'm doing a new thing. In a couple of weeks, we're going to be starting a new series uh, for the season of Lent. It's going to start on March 3rd. And I'll be speaking on the Apostles' Creed. And I, I want you to know that most of our groups, our faith groups, are going to be going through that same series uh, right along with the message and starting today, we have these devotional booklets that go with the series about the Apostles' Creed. It's kind of a daily reading that you can go through, not very long, but kind of keeps you in track. So I think when those things merge, Sunday morning and your faith group and your daily devotional, when those all things merge, that's a very powerful experience. And by the way, you can pick one up uh, on the foyer just as you're heading out to the main entrance. We've got these. Uh, we have a suggested donation of $10, but, you know, pick it up now even if you don't have it or maybe you still, we don't really care what you give. You just not, you're not required to give anything. Some other, somebody else is probably going to give more and it's going to be all turn out just fine. So, now, if you aren't yet in a faith group, let me just say this would be a perfect time to try one. You say, do I have time? I don't know. But this would be a perfect time to try one for six or seven weeks. Or maybe you want to start one. Perfect time to do that. All it takes is you and a couple of friends. You can start a group. Um, a couple of weeks ago, more than 20 of us were uh, uh, from Faith Westwood attended a workshop about fresh expressions. It's about how people like you can start a group or gathering outside of the church for people who would never come to church. 
It might be a group of mostly non-church-going people uh, who are your co-workers, and you could meet once a week over the lunch hour, and, and maybe you, uh, they're all interested in, in talking about the Bible, so you print off a little passage and pass copies around and just talk about it for a little bit while you eat. Or it might be a gathering of mostly non-church-going people that you, that you know and you're part of a motorcycle uh, club together. And, and so then you have a little time where you can kind of have a meal together and, and care for each other. And, uh, and you say, well, okay, let's pray for each other. Maybe you're just the first one who prays it, the only one who prays it first. But then others start to join in that as well. It might be a gathering from your softball league or it might be a group from a dinner group from your neighborhood. I mean, it could be literally anything, anywhere. And for these people, it becomes church. This becomes their church. It's a fresh expression of church. Congregations all over the world are being led by the Holy Spirit to start fresh expressions for the spiritually curious, for people who won't come to us we go to them. And God says, speak to my people. Speak to these dry bones. Tell them I am doing a new thing. Tell them I am working in new places. Tell them I am uh, working in new ways. Tell them I am breathing life where life was thought to be impossible. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, God, Holy Spirit, sometimes we have such blinders on, we don't see what you are up to all over this world. We sort of follow our little tunnel, our little track. And so we ask that you will open our eyes Take us across the valley and where we see where, what see appear, would appear to us to be no chance of life. And yet, by the Word and the Spirit, life emerges. And we pray, Lord, that you will speak that life and hope into our lives. Continue to use this church, Lord. Let us be one of the, the one out of 25 that are seeing significant number of people who did not know Jesus before, who are becoming his deep, daring, daily disciples. Oh, Lord, I ask that you will bless all those who are embarking on, on being a blessed friend, that you will continue to bring uh, one person and then another and another into their lives where they can be that kind of blessing and know that somehow in an amazing way, through the work of your Spirit, you are, you are bringing life. And so, Lord, in all these things, we give you the praise and glory. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen.